so welcome to another behind the scenes of Mordnin. I know it's been a while. I had to check on the feed to find when the last behind the scenes had been, and apparently it was episode 8 of the last series. We have a few episodes to fill you in on, and then some bloopers, that's right. Bloopers, mostly from David MacGyver. <clears throat> episode 9. This concentrated on the Fisher King, and honestly I originally got the idea from C.S. Lewis with his last of the space trilogy, That Hideous Strength, which I like to call the wannabe Charles Williams book. <clears throat> I went mostly to the more ancient sources, although I did go to Le Morte, and that's where I discovered some interesting things about Mordred. For example, he apparently was not particularly evil at first, However, Merlin, or Merlinus, decided he was, in a way, and sent him off to be killed. Drowned, sort of, as a child. And that's what started the whole enmity, because King Arthur had agreed. So, in this, I did portray Mordred as being on the more evil side. However... At the same time, he he's not pure evil, and I did mention in the credits, if you listen to those, which I hope you do, that it's more because of what had happened to him as a child. And that's that for that episode, although it was written, I know some like to know where it was written, in an Anglican Church of England chapel. I very much wanted to show the chapel at Morden because it is spectacular if you've ever been there. There are pictures in the series one visual guide that do not give it justice. It's a lovely, lovely little chapel. I wanted to include it. And of course we batter down the doors and ruin it, but oh well. <laughs> Episode ten The Banshee I must mention first the art was done by the incomparable Unc Iceman, whom you might know as one of the top three world's token artists. And I thought, why not contact her? Because I've contacted her before about the token art for the San Francisco Barrier Token Society. And she graciously allowed us to use a lot of her work. So I thought, hmm, might as well give it a try. So she actually did a commission, that's a, a custom commission from Arca Iceman in Germany for the Banshee and Worsley, so I'm very excited about that. It's still a fangirl sort of moment for that artist. I highly recommend going to her website and looking at her other work. That particular episode, again, was about the Screaming Banshee. I looked at all the legends surrounding the Banshee. Most of them had degenerated into a sort of boogeyman tale. A few made reference to an earlier time when the Banshee were not considered bad creatures, but merely heralds of death. And to me, a herald of death is very different from the one that causes it. So I wanted to point out this difference in the episode so that people 
would not instantly think Banshee, oh, they cause death, but rather they are inseparable from the death in that they announce the when it's going to happen, and it's not their fault. So I tried to point that out uh, via Wesley, who, of course, any beautiful woman, <laughs> he doesn't care what they are, so one of his downfalls. Episode 11 was Loki. I always like to go geographically round and round with the mythology. If you just sit down and list out the episodes by location, which is what the first thing I do, you'll notice they come from all over the world. The rotation had gone back to Norse, and it was also right after Halloween and all that. So it was fun to do the trickster thing, and I've always been fond of Loki stories. He's, <laughs> he's an interesting chap, you don't know quite what to think of him. He's absolutely wild one moment, and the next he's helping mankind. You can't really hate him. So, uh, in this particular version, he did not come off well. But he did not particularly come off too ill at the same time. Well, you'll take your own conclusions as to <laughs> what Loki is like in this episode. It's the first one with ambient weather. Meaning most of the other episodes so far have been sunny, outdoors, lovely. This one... It was pouring rain the entire time, which is a little closer to what <laughs> Oxford weather tends to be like in the later months. Even starting in October. <laughs> anyone there will vouch for. And this particularly shows that the Maudlin episodes take place in the month they come out. So the episode came out in November. November, it would be raining, so it's raining. The last episode and the first episode of the next series... Sorry, I'm going on. It's, it's been so long since the behind the scenes. Should not let this happen again. Episode 12. That is a combination of two that are Indian in origin. first one I saw was actually in Andrew Lang's Coloured Fairy books, and I went back and researched other versions of it in the various areas of India and combined around three tales for this <laughs> the fairy that has the baby in the tree and tries to eat the men who help her I always found terrifying as a child there's another version where it she claims her son has been hung and she wants to take the body down to bury it, and... Yeah, that was a really... Quite a creepy story, that. <laughs> My favourite character when I was younger was that fairy of the forest, the one who chops off in the original, literally chops her head chopped off to create this necklace to save the young man's life. And I always thought that was... Just lovely. I mean, that she would be willing to do that for almost a perfect stranger. That says a lot about her character. I, I know they're mythological, but... You can really find life lessons in these sorts of things. It was rather violent for Maud. I did turn it down. Although, 
it's still rather... But it is still rather violent. <laughs> this, Stevie came up with some sound effects that... Where you have the blood dripping, it doesn't sound... Hopefully that more... Went for the jewel aspect rather than the... She has blood dripping from her hand. <clears throat> you might also have... Re Realized that Colchester is now part of the cast. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> How could I forget David Alt? Something's going wrong with me. And last but not least, episode two of series two, which is the Alfito episode. This is very much like the Banshee. I'm again taking a mythology that became corrupted in my mind in the later years. And was turned simply into a, a frightening tale for children, which originally was a beautiful and loving, warm goddess of the harvest. I do prefer taking the older versions of these tales and bringing them forward again. Normally I simply just bring them forward, but in this particular instance, I thought it would be intriguing to juxtapose the two, the later version of the tale and the earlier, which also enabled me to bring in Veritas Truth. I went to Dominican University for a degree and the <laughs> they were Veritas Fox Ardens, so I put that in for anyone that knows Dominican University. I think that's all for the episodes, so enjoy the bloopers, and I believe Stevie has recorded something, I don't know what it is, but you know Stevie, should be intriguing. Ooh, where's my drink? Pressing pause, I'll be back with something to drink. Maybe I'll get a really stiff booze. No! <clears throat> no! You don't mean that. Oh no, oh wrong line. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Here we go. Um, evil possessive. Hmm. How am I gonna do this? Um. Okay. Oh, my darling. Oh, I sound like a southerner. Oh boy. Um. <laughs> I might inquire similarly. Don't look at me. Chukta. Cuddy. As a chuchter, I am highly offended by this episode. And what Worsley said, which is really confusing. Okay, enough with the joking. I'm a minute and almost a minute and a half in. Um, laughs cruelly. Okay, I can try that. <laughs> Oop, darn, I hit the chocolate truffles with my hand. Yes, Stevie, chocolate truffles and you can't have any. Oh, it was so adorable, though. Why are they using a drill across the road at this point? Oh, great. Maybe the... <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, well. I can't... No! Just kidding. <laughs> Elphantiasis, or Elphis, is found in Peri Aten K. Simeon El Oxian. Or Elphis is found in Peri Aten K. Simeon.
Simeon Oxion Pathon Biblion A. Elphantiasis or Elphis is found in Peri Aetion Peri Aetion Chi Simeon Oxion Pathon Biblion A. But here is Lines Mendacium. Mm, chocolate milk ball. Yes, Stevie, I'm eating chocolate. Chocolate to torture you. What kind of is this? Um. Res. Ooh! Raspberry cordials. Yum. Okay. Back to the lines. No, oh, I'm sure, Mr. Ooh, blimey, that was high pitched. And here we go. I had to move into the closet to record these today because we got too much wind around here to record anything in my bedroom. This is Scorch's line. Scorch's lines. I don't know why I keep saying Scorch but um, the credits. And I completely agree with everybody else when they say, what the heck are they saying? Because I have no idea what she's saying here, so I'm going to hope this is right. <laughs> Yay to bubbles off the center. Is the leopard... Leopard. Is the leopard lady gone? Hiya, folks. As Alexa's already pointed out, um, it's been way too long since our last behind the scenes. In fact, all the way back to episode 8. Wow! And so much has happened as well since then. So for my section, I thought I would go over the episodes from 9 onwards, um, tell a few stories, maybe relate a few production anecdotes, um... You know, the sort of thing. Maybe give a few pointers, things to look out for in the various mixes and the various episodes. Anyways, episode 9. Um, one of my favourite scenes that I've ever mixed is actually in this particular episode. And it's the one at the beginning with the church service. Or rather, the chapel service. <laughs> um, when I originally mixed this scene, um, my own experience of churches is that when a service is taking place, things are really really quiet in the background and um, Alexa actually mentioned to me when she first heard it that actually back in those days in this particular chapel that wouldn't be the case it would actually be quite a noisy affair um, and so I went back over the mix again and added all sorts of daft little things there in the background things like hymn books opening people's bums sort of shifting on the <laughs> on the pews all sorts of sort of mad little sound effects in the background. The upshot of which is that we have a much more interesting scene, um, certainly from a sound production point of view. And uh, one of the other things I, I feel I should mention here is that when I actually visited um, Magdalen University um, back in November last year, um, I actually sat in the, the actual chapel itself and I must admit, I'm so pleased that when the knights come crashing through that door that I get, that I put in this like almighty great big sound effect of the door clanging and coming crashing down. Because when I actually saw the, the actual chapel door, it's a good sort of five, maybe six inches thick. And it would be an almighty great big clang in real life if that door came crashing through. <laughs> oh, and the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and Atherton wielding a bar mace in this particular episode is worth the price of admission alone, I think. <laughs> oh, and of course, listen out to all the choral-type sound effects that are in the background. 
Um, I used those as kind of a bit of an indicator that the Holy Grail itself was actually present or nearby. Um, and I, I really do think it sort of works well in that capacity. It, and it seems to lift up the episode as well, kind of gives it a sort of a, a tone and a vibe and a sound all of its very own. Um, so I quite like that one. Anyways, um, episode 10. And Maudlin's very own Banshee, <laughs> as played by the wonderful Elaine Barrett. Now, when I visited um, Oxford last year, <laughs> we had a few people actually attend our little gathering. Um, one was, of course, uh, Fiona Thrall, who plays uh, Maudlin's very own Sophie Roberts. And the other was a, a good friend of mine, Graham. Now, Graham actually um, was who I stayed with when I made the trip down there. And Graham obviously works and lives in Oxford, um, so good choice to stay with. <laughs> but during our little gathering, Graham related a little story that he'd actually heard that partic this particular episode of Maudlin at something like three or four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the first thing he hears coming out of his speakers is that huge sort of wailing scream <laughs> of Elaine's. <laughs> so one of the questions he actually asked me was, um, what exactly did I do um, to Elaine's voice to actually make it sound so big and so piercing? And truthfully, <laughs> I can say this in all honesty, um virtually nothing at all <laughs> this was actually um elaine's performance she actually played it that way and really was that shrill and high-pitched uh, <laughs> in real life uh, i think the only thing i actually did with her lines was that i actually i just put a tiny 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 little bit of treble onto her voice that was it absolutely nothing else i kid you not folks that huge scream is actually all in the performance. <laughs> now, anyhow, um, another thing to listen out for is the tea-making um, <laughs> little section. That was never in the script. Um, there was just one line in the script that said something along the lines of uh, Worsley actually making, making her a drink or something. Um, and so I created that whole tea-making scene running in the background um, just on the fly, on the spur of the moment, because it just seemed right for that particular scene. <laughs> um, you know, it, just every now and again, you kind of get this amazing sort of inspiration will just come from like one line of a script. And, and that was certainly one of those occasions. Episode 11. And boy, did I have fun with this one. <laughs> I played this really mischievous, evil, nasty villain in it, um, Loki who all the way through the episode kind of shapeshifts between being a young boy to being a young man to being an old man and all the way through he's changing age all the way through and he's a real conniving, mischievous, horrible, nasty piece of work um, and so I really had a lot of fun. I think in, I think at last count, I think I played him at seven different ages of the same character. <laughs> so it was just so much fun to do. But of course, um, the little girl in this, Sif, as played by um, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard's um, daughter, steals the show in absolutely every single scene she's in. Um, <laughs> as good as I was as Loki, as good as Stephen J. Cohen is as Odin, um, it's... 
it's Morgan Reed who literally blew everybody away when they heard this episode. And quite deservedly so too. Absolutely stunning performance. Now as most of you are already aware, um, I create these little character underlays, these sort of sound effects that I underlay underneath the mythical characters' voices. And so for the Sif character, I overlaid quite a lot of these little children's toy musical jewellery box type sounds and I think I came up with something that really does sort of reflect that sort of innocent quality of the little girl character in this. Listen out also in this particular episode to all of the water and rain type sound effects that are in it as well that are very a lot of them are quite subtle as well like for instance when Worsley walks into the corridor and comes indoors you can hear the drips actually coming off his jacket. The drips of rainwater, that is, actually coming off his jacket and hitting the floor. Um, and I added all these little subtle touches in there. And, of course, let's not forget the Cecil being dragged into the canal. I mean, <laughs> you won't believe just how many um, water-type sound effects were overlaid just to get the perfect splashes. <laughs> I think at last count, I think I, I overlaid something like about 250 different water-splashing-type effects within that scene. And, of course, the scene that follows when um, Westbrook dives into the water to go and get him again, you know. <laughs> Great fun to mix, though. And the ultimate scene, of course, course involving rain and water was when it actually rained indoors <laughs> i mean if you listen very very carefully in the background you'll hear the little drips of water actually hitting books hitting the floor hitting people's clothing that there is so many different touches and so many levels in that particular scene <laughs> i really went to town on this particular episode i think as you can tell um brilliant fun and the season one finale, episode 12, and of course, um, the season two premiere of episode one. And again, um, another one of my favourite ever scenes that I've ever mixed on any show anywhere was on Maudlin. And it's the very, very first scene of episode 12. Alexa's singing voice at the beginning in that particular scene is just absolutely breathtaking. It was a total joy to drop that into a mix. And of course, I did very, 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 very little production-wise in that particular scene, simply because I wanted that voice to just really shine and, and, and to just, just come out and leap out at people. And I think it does absolutely incredible performance by Alexa and one of my absolute favourite scenes ever. Now, one of the other things I do on modelling is I pay attention to the weather. And so if you listen to each particular episode, it actually ties in actually with the weather in the UK. And so when I mix a particular episode of Maud, I look out the window and see what the weather's doing. And that's what I recreate for that episode. And of course, when I looked out the window on these, when I was mixing these two episodes, um, it was snowing outside and was uh, quite horrible weather-wise. And so we've got like a zillion snow sound effects in this particular episode too. Um, what else did I do with it? Oh yeah, the, there's the first ever appearance, believe it or not, and, and very, very much long overdue, was when you listen to the scenes in Deer Park, we actually have deer there in Deer Park now. <laughs> 
sort of prancing around in the background in the snow. And that's, believe it or not, I've never actually added deer to deer park before. <laughs> and it seems like such an obvious thing to do. Quite why I'd never done it before, I, I really don't know. But anyhow, there they are, the very first appearance of Maudlin's own deer <laughs> in these two episodes. Now, of course, with this being winter, I wanted everything to sound cold. So everything, including the wind, including the voice actors' lines, everything. I've actually dropped off a lot of the bass uh, EQ from all of those sound effects, from all of those voices, and added in a load of treble on the top end. So basically what happens is the the voices, the sound effects, the background ambience, everything sort of cuts through you and has this real sort of cold, you know, almost sends a shiver down your spine sort of feel to it. You know, the, you know, you, can, you really do get that feeling of being cold and being out in the snow and the ice. And finally, of course, we have our very first cliffhanger ending. Um, <laughs> and so how do I put this together? Well, I was thinking back to the classic series of Doctor Who, where every episode had a cliffhanger ending. Of course, except for the last episode of each story. Um, but you get the picture anyway. And so what I did was I had the knife kind of come down and, and just sort of sweep down and then just stop abruptly. Because um, <laughs> I wanted you all to sort of sit and listen and go, yeah, yeah. What's happening now? You know, what happens to poor Worsley? Is he dead? And and then you'd be all sort of excited and, and well, hopefully anyway, <laughs> and really looking forward to the next part. <laughs> hopefully that worked anyway. <laughs> um, emails to modeling at brokensea.com <laughs> if you want to send us any feedback, of course. Series 2, Episode 2. And, of course, this is Maudlin's saddest moment. And so, from a production point of view, I kind of didn't do anything particularly big or grand in this particular episode, um, simply because I wanted the characters really to stand out and for the story to be told through the characters. But when it comes to Maudlin, there's always a few things to sort of look out for, production-wise. Um, the first one, of course, is... Right, the the very very first scene when they're halfway up a mountain, um, listen out for all the rocks falling down and tumbling down, and the birds swooping, the the wind that's up there. There's what else did they add in? Oh yeah, I think I added in some sort of lava type effects coming out as well because I pictured this mountain almost as a volcano. In fact, um, so I imagine sort of bits of lava bubbling as well up at the top end. Another fun scene in this particular episode is the big fight between Mendacian and Alethea, um, who were actually voiced by the same voice actress, <laughs> Elaine Barrett again. Fantastic performance as both characters. Now, on Maudlin, I have a tendency not to use effects on the voice actors' voices, because what you tend to find happens is that you wind up with Cybermen and Daleks. <laughs> and we don't really want that on modelling. <laughs> also, what tends to happen is that on occasion you actually wind up with um, lines of dialogue that are kind of buried under the effects. And so the voices 
and the dialogue isn't as clear when you add effects on. So I don't tend to use them. But in this particular episode, because I have a voice actress who's playing two different characters, I wanted to make them sound different. And so I did actually use the odd effect. Now, <laughs> one of the nicest bits of feedback I had was actually from Elaine herself, who was uh, actually freaked out <laughs> by the way that she's actually sounding <laughs> as these two characters in this episode. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, freaked out? Hmm, job well done! <laughs> On a side note, when Elaine sends her dialogue lines in, um, she has a tendency to leave all the outtakes in place. <laughs> and in these particular lines, um, she'd left in some sort of like mad animal noises, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And the mad animal noises that you actually hear in this episode are part of Elaine's outtakes. I actually <laughs> overlaid all of these like mad animal sounds one over the top of the other to create this really disturbing sound effect <laughs> which is actually used in the mix <laughs> so <laughs> amazing where you get sound effects from really um but there you go that's how i got the the, the the sort of mad animal sounds for this particular episode they kind of just fell on fell in my lap basically <laughs> as elaine's outtakes <laughs> episode three and wow, for the very first time, uh, we actually see the other side of the rift. Now, as with everything on mod, um, I wanted to indicate the other side of the rift in a very, very subtle way. And there are two, two methods I've adopted for this. Um, first of all is the wind. Listen to the wind. Um, all the wind sound effects on this episode, they're all multi-layered um, sort of affairs. Now, the wind on the other side of the rift actually has a very, very, very slight flange effect on it, just to give it that sort of mythical, magical quality to it. Um, so it's just a, just, just a hint of a pointer that you're not in our realm anymore. Now, the second method I adopted um, was in respect of the character underlays. These little sound effects that I put underneath um, the mythical characters' lines of dialogue, typically. Now, on the other side of the rift, it wouldn't be the mythical characters who have um, underlays, because it's not them that are out of place. And so if you listen to this particular episode, it's actually Worsley and Sophie who have um, character underlays. Now, Worsley's... Um, <laughs> at one point, I actually toyed with the idea of overlaying lots of the sort of Worsley screams, <laughs> but I thought after maybe <laughs> two or three lines of dialogue, everybody would be, um, how can I put it, um, a little peeved at me <laughs> for doing that. Um, so basically, Worsley's um, underlays, uh, basically, book sounds. There's like book flicking, page turning type sound effects, and somebody scrolling with a pencil as well. Now, Sophie's underlays are kind of basically um, sort of pottery and drink type noises. Of, of you know, being of course that Sophie is Maudlin's barmaid, and so it's like barmaid type sound effects underneath her lines of dialogue on the other side of the rift. 
Also, listen out for the changes of scenery as well, because as the um, as Sophie's riding the bull <laughs> um, through Norway, um, the scenery and the background actually changes to give the impression that she's actually on a journey. Anyways, um, hope you all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed putting this together. Thank <laughs> you.